Hello everyone and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs, episode 60. It's our 2018 Game of the Year show and with me, as always, my compatriot in crime, my uh, my other half, Richard. Good day. Here he is, he's looking revved up. We are recording live at 11am on New Year's Day. Like that's some, that is some dedication, that's why I'm in dark glasses. I, it's, I mean, It's Richard, dedication or we're the biggest losers going, right? I think probably a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what do you mean biggest losers, though? I'm coming to you with a hangover. I had a, I had a banging last night of sitting in with the wife playing rock band and drinking whiskey. Is that what so, you I mean? Did? I'm a... Yeah. Um, shall I tell you what I did? Mine is the saddest New Year ever. Um, I was trailing on the Xbox Gamer Score leaderboard for December by right. several hundred points yesterday. So I oh, spent no. the closing hours of the year. Uh, getting back to the top of the leaderboard so i've done it that is my achievement so this for, is a leaderboard you know, just amongst your own friends yeah 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 it's yeah. not like and well, it's not like global proper... or anything but no yeah. amongst my friends i always like to be top of the list list yeah you are always you are the maddest achievement hunter i don't even try to come close to that man it's just like i i sometimes look at those boards because i think they're a fun little addition to xbox actually how that works like it just makes that little bit of a competitive edge yeah, just there, always there. Keep you know, keep an eye on it. Um, but no, I'm happy if I'm in the top ten, generally, because we've got some hardcore gamers on our list from back in the day, back in the Bray Xbox days. Yeah, some yeah. of those boys still go well hard onto those uh, achievements, and you're one of them. You are crazy for your achievements. Oh my god, what's your total gamer score right now? Uh, two seven, two I think. Two hundred approaching approaching three hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm coming up to one hundred and fifty. So it's like I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy I broke hundred thousand, but. Um, you know, what were you on? Like 16 years of service? Something yeah. like that. 15, about 16. That. Yeah. yeah well, I got right. um did you get the year of Xbox thing? You the horribly email. broken one that told everybody they were in the top one percent of everything. Oh right. Did it tell everyone? Yeah. That? Right. Yeah. Well, it, it, it told yeah. me that I was I'd increased my gamer score by twenty two percent this year. Jesus. I wonder if that's I true. I mean, it's you have probably right. It's probably you've been going right. hard, man. Yeah, you have been going hard into it's. It's. It's going to come up as we look back at the year. But like you know, one of the best features for that is Game Pass, man. It's just like it's yeah, giving yeah. you the ability to do that like never before. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, uh, so this show we're going to have a little chat about the year that's gone, and then we're going to look forward to the year that's coming in games and in BXB developments. Um, but let's let's before we get into the games. Any any big films that stood out for you? Did you go and see any movies over Christmas, for example? I went to see the uh, Edge of the Spider Verse film, the the or whatever it's called, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. No, something like that. we haven't been over Christmas. We are going to go on Friday, so please go know, and see maybe, that film, Richard. Maybe we'll see that. Please, maybe. like honestly, it is an amazingly incredible film. It's one of the best of the year. Like really? it, it will absolutely the, blow your mind. I saw the trailer, and I I, I don't know. The star kind of annoyed me. I think it's the, really. It's really impressive what they do. Like, mm. you need to see it. Yeah, you're not the only person that said they were put off by the trailer. I, I, I was talking to a friend who's really into his Spider-Man. He's like, it's like four frames per second animation. I yes. don't like it. And it's like, trust me, it, it's a very deliberate choice. And it is incredibly good filmmaking what they do. Yeah, yeah that's and what it's... put me off is the, the sort of odd, weird frame rate. It's mm. just obviously deliberately done for a reason, mm. but I couldn't understand it. It will all uh, make yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing good things about it. So it's it's stunning. It's stunning. I mean, that also what we also had this year before we're talking superheroes. Have you seen Aquaman? No, 
No, no. That's a possibility for this Friday. Not bad. Not bad. Spider Spider Verse is definitely better. Um, obviously, we had Avengers this year, Infinity yeah. War, which is a, a complete stonker, like incredible. Got we got Endgame coming in mere months, um, which is this huge, you know, final point for that storyline for the Avengers stuff, which is very exciting. Um, and obviously, before that, we've got Captain Marvel. Um, what about what about outside of the superhero genre? About the block outside of the blockbusters? Any movies like stick on your radar, make you go hmm this year? You know what? There's there's prop there must be stuff, but I haven't been to the cinema for a few months and I can't remember the last time I went. But probably Netflix stuff is what I've been more mm. into. So um that new Sandra Bullock one was pretty good. Bird box. I haven't watched it yet. I've heard it. I've I've heard very mixed things. It's an it's another one of those situations where the critics have been quite hard on it, and yet the the average viewer absolutely seems to love it. And it's had like it had like was it ridiculous statistic like forty five million accounts have already started watching it. Views in the first week. Incredible! Incredible. Um, so I think I'm going to have to check that out. It's like I haven't seen Venom yet, and I didn't see Venom off the back of how negative the the uh, critical response was. And I think maybe this is uh, this is going to maybe lead into a little bit about how we're changing things perhaps in BXB because the the critics seem to be further and further from the mark, don't they? Mm. Uh, about what people actually want to see and enjoy in in 2018 and into 2019, and it's creating a really strange. Um, negativity towards critical response um because they just seem to be missing it they seem to be missing what people actually enjoy you know what i mean it's it's a strange thing isn't it i think it goes hand in hand with how people are enjoying things so like with the, the example of bird box if i'd gone to the cinema to see that i probably wouldn't be so up on it mm. um it's not a fantastic film i mean it does have a vibe of um someone saw the quiet place and thought ah that with eyes would work <laughs> but um it, it's it's kind of okay for a netflix film and that's the difference isn't it people pay their subscription anyway if something decent comes along like that then there's nothing lost watching it and it's a good ride while you're in it so it's annoying because i'm sat here scratching my, my head here thinking deeply as to what films of smaller films have really stood out to me i'm really struggling to come up with stuff because it's it's i know i've seen stuff this year yeah i know i've seen stuff that's really stood out however well, there's so much stuff prepare. Is that good? Yeah, so, so, well, <laughs> off the top of our heads, that's the na- the nature of uh, of who we are. That's yeah. how we do things. Who has time to to really think deeply nowadays about anything? Uh, oh God, that's so depressing. Uh, and also, who wants to think deeply about so many things that have happened in 2018? Man, 2019 has to be better, doesn't it? For like people, you, the globe, the world, the well, UK, default, everything. Doesn't by it have default, to be? 2019 yeah. is going to be the worst so far. I, I think no. I think it, I think March. the bar is so low. Surely it's going to be better. Yeah, Surely. Wait till March, mate. Wait till March. Yeah. <sighs> no deal, Brexit. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, can't wait. Um, but yeah, let's not let's not dwell on that too much. We, we're here to talk about the good things of the year, like you know Indeed. how how amazing uh, the world is right now. Um, you know how the environment's doing. No, let's not talk about the environment. Um, but so yeah, films. Any other things you wanted to touch upon from the year, like entertainment wise, that really stood out? No, there's not. Um, it's fine. You know, you, you have sprung this on us. Haven't yes, you? Uh, yes. We were going to talk about game of the year. We are. Uh, we are going to talk about. We're going to talk about a film. So yeah, there's there's probably stuff that I'm missing. There's loads. So, you kick yourself after we finish yeah. recording. Like, I'll be, oh my god, how did I not mention that? That film was amazing. Like yeah. that. Oh yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's, I'm like rewatch. <laughs> to be honest, I'm, the best thing I've seen recently is I've just start, I've just rewatched Band of Brothers, 
And oh, it's yeah. like, that's still fantastic. It's, it's probably it's, better now, isn't it? Knowing that everyone in it went on to be megastars. Yeah, it's weird. You yeah. Simon Pegg, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, bloody David Schwimmer. There's a, the, the, the list is just crazy. The guy from Office Space, which he'll always be for me. He's like the lead, isn't he? Um, one of the guys from Office Space. And it's just like, yeah, that is a fantastic production. It's incredibly man emotionally manipulative. And it... Mm definitely um skews things to tell a particular narrative it's not it's not trying to really represent things all the time in an honest way um it's trying to tell an emotional story uh but at the same time a lot of the events that happen in it are true and therefore and you know there's get the backing of the people actually there i mean they're yep. at the end of the but the it is also a spielberg production so you have yeah. to like balance the two out um yeah. but no it's it's a fabulous piece of television and if you've never seen it which would surprise me uh by all means check it out it's on like on demand on sky and dvd and blu-ray just just go see banner brothers it's so good um but yeah that that's kind of what i've done over christmas uh and watching the american office for the first time i'm up to like season five of that so Mate, i can't so believe good. i'm so late to that so it's fantastic good. it's amazing no it's amazing i just had the idris alba stuff and i was just like what what idris alba's in this what it's crazy man it's crazy people are sharp in that um, but let's let's talk about games. How do you want to do this? Do you want to should we should we touch on uh, the things that bummed us out first, so we can get into the good stuff afterwards? We can do that. I mean, I don't want to focus on that too much. There's not a lot. There's I was watching Jim Sterling's ten worst games of the year cool. video. How to depress yourself? Yeah, I know. And I thought, well, is that the vibe we want? So I'm curious, what kind of stuff did did Jim have? I mean, he doesn't seem to like anything. So well, that, that's the thing with Jim Sterling. But um. Yeah, there's some obvious things on there. Fallout 76. Well, that's is, my one. That's my key. that's my big one that I wanted to mention that. It's not just the game is bad, it's everything Bethesda's done around it. Yeah. And it, and it's and it's this huge clusterfuck of of an embarrassment which makes me incredibly worried about Starfield. Um and that and that's kind of done this thing to taint their entire legacy almost as well, which is really just how do you fuck it up so poorly <laughs> i mean it's impressively bad what well, anything else jim mentioned that i may have forgotten uh metal gear survive was on there it's fine i played that i reviewed that it's fine that game it's not a metal gear game but it, well, it's perfectly <laughs> that's, fine that's kind of a problem isn't it it's perfectly like... fine mechanically and everything i mean that's the problem with fallout it doesn't work it's yeah. not a case of it not inhabiting that world because it inhabits a Fallout world very well. It's just that it's a mess and unplayable. So, mm. anything yeah. else? Um, nothing that would be our sort of area, I suppose. More PC stuff. I think that's more what he's focused on. So, we're not about that too much, are we? We're more about console stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, what we talk about, we can talk about PC stuff if you want. Um. I can't remember what was what else was on there. So yeah, let's move on from Jim Sterling. All well, right, that's the Jim Sterling what, segment. Best Jim yeah. Sterling video of the of the year. His ten worst games of the year. Well done, Jim. You win that yeah. award. Um, did you want to just call out a game then and just talk about something you really enjoyed? Things that I enjoyed. Yeah, just go for it. Just dive in, and I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a lot to overlap here. Um, uh, before it gets buried by lots of other things, I think we should talk about Celeste. Because it's it's well, a... I'm about to play it because it's just gone into games with gold. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna be playing that probably later on today, if not like in the next week or so. Um, finally trying that out. But yeah, I mean it's meant to be amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. And it's uh it's totally up my sort of alley. Um, it's exactly the sort of thing that I would play. So old school 2D platformer, 
test of patience and skill um, in the vein of Super Meat Boy. It demands repetition, but, but doesn't feel like it's punishing you. It, it is always your fault sort of vibe. Mm. Um, the idea is, well, Celeste is the mountain that you have to climb. The mountain is both a, a it's a physical mountain, obviously, but it's also a metaphor for your um, protagonist's mental state. So she's in uh, she's suffering from depression or anxiety and um, climbing the mountain is her trying to recover from the the, the demons that sort of haunt her. And, right. um It's done in a sort of cartoony way. It's not too heavy, but um, there's a suite of characters there that you really start to care about and you you want her to to overcome the challenges that are before her um, but just in a gameplay sense it's as simple as um jumping against a wall you've got a limited amount of stamina to hold on to the wall until you have to drop off and it's just how you maintain your stamina stamina and your momentum to climb various 2d challenges in a platforming environment um it's it's drawn in a sort of old school um you know uh, what's the word pixel art style and brilliant chiptune music the soundtrack is really really great and to the point that sometimes you'd be glad to fail a level just so you could listen to it a bit more is that good wow and i mean um, what's what's interesting for me is that i've heard it's got this incredible um mixture of you know tight well-designed gameplay but yeah. also a really emotional narrative and story yeah. Yeah, uh, right. and i'm like wow i mean because super meat boy's got that great gameplay but you know, there's no yeah. story there's no narrative hook there so i'm i am really curious to see, see how um those two mix yeah in, in a genre you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be within like you know that kind of that kind of narrative so yeah no, I'm up, I'm it, up for that. it doesn't overplay it either i mean it's in there as much as it needs to be and it doesn't get in the way you can imagine that might sort of impede the pace of that that sort of game where it's all about Mm. quick restarts of fail and try again very quickly and it does allow you to do that but there are periods in between where the challenges aren't so difficult and it's it just gives you that bit of breathing space to hear the characters talk and to experience what they're thinking uh, without it ruining the pace it's really well balanced fantastic okay i'm gonna i'm gonna touch on something that this year was really important to me and was like um kind of a moment of oh and now i get it uh and that's psvr um yeah like i was a bit later to this than to than yourself um but oh man that was that's great like i've, I've loved it um things like well, the wipeout omega collection was absolutely fantastic in that. Uh, and, incredible, um, isn't it, in VR? And one of my real strong contenders for Game of the Year, which is Tetris Effect. Yes. Um, it's it's great, you know, without it. it. It's a beautiful game without it, you know, in 4K, um, on your high-res TV set, you know. But when you're in there with the headphones in, with the volume turned up, uh, and, you know, that, that incredible uh, combination of gameplay, music, and visuals that puts you in this... Uh, otherworldly environment and then you know was it synesthesia isn't it is the term yeah that where where everything comes together that transports you into this experience and i'm seeing tetris effect showing up at the top of some very 
uh, reputable places uh, for their game of the year. And I can absolutely see why that experience is perhaps knocking things like that are more obvious game of the years, like uh, God of War and Spider-Man off of that top spot, because it's the kind of game everybody understands Tetris if you're a gamer. If you mm. if you haven't played it, you know about it. If, and I'd be amazed if you haven't played it at some point in your gaming life, because it's been on everything. And this is this is the best Tetris has ever been since the original, in my opinion. It is it's almost a new experience, but it would but by offering this thing that you're so familiar with, it lets you get lost in the experience. Um and it and it really is special. I mean, if you have a PSVR, you owe it to yourself to get Tetris Effect and to play that game as soon as you possibly can because it is proper proper amazing. Yeah, I nearly got it, but it's it's still too expensive, isn't it? I know. No, I don't think it is. I think it's worth every penny. (laughs) I I know. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Game of the Year material is definitely up there. It's only 30 quid. We're talking Game of the Year and it's 30 quid. So, I mean, like, really. 35 quid, but it is still Tetris. You know? But it isn't um, though. But it is. But it isn't. But it is. But it isn't. It's like, yeah, you, you. Uh, fundamentally, the gameplay is Tetris, but the experience isn't. I don't yeah. know. How, I don't know what it is. You, especially, especially as someone who loves music like you do, and and we have similar musical tastes in many ways. We overlap, and yeah, I think you're just you're talking about how you would die in Celeste just so you could hear the music. I mean, you're going to just want to play stages over and over and over again because because the music is with the combination with those visuals in VR is incredible. I mean, yeah. like it's it's truly special. I got my wife to play it, and she was like. Uh, she was impressed as well. She's not really into into the VR stuff. Um, a bit off put by the whole. Uh, she gets a bit motion sick and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. She's not a hardcore gamer, so it's the kind of thing you don't push through if you if you can avoid it, which is absolutely understandable. Um, but no, she even she found it like really impressive. The bit she didn't like is there's like a level transition at the end, and you kind of corkscrew into the board and and swoosh around. And she didn't like how that made her her feel a bit uh, queasy, shall we say. But um, yeah, It takes some getting used to. It, does. You're right. if, it if, does. If you're not into games, then why would you get used to it? Yeah, Since exactly. Why put yourself it? through it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this horrible, uncomfortable experience. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna suffer through because supposedly it's cool. <laughs> um, but no, no, it's, it's Tetris Effect is amazing. But in general, the hardware of VR, I don't think VR is the future. And I've got into a few arguments with with other gamers about this online and stuff. I don't think VR as it is is the future. Um, I think perhaps perhaps it needs to really evolve in in a big way, as well as a price point drop if if it's going to be widely um, accepted. I mean, the PSVR itself is a fun, gimmicky piece of hardware, and I think games like Tetris Effect. Uh, and Wipeout and Astrobot, you know, there are titles now starting to appear that really justify is ex- justify its existence. But there needs to be a lot more, and it needs to be a lot friendlier to the user um, before. It needs to be wireless. It needs to be more lightweight. It needs to be, you know, augmented reality elements need to be kind of as standard, so you don't have to constantly be taking it off and on. So you don't have to feel that yeah. sense of like um, being lost from the environment you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is a lot of Im- sort of improvements and whether or not we're going to get them. That's the question. I mean, already we're seeing uh, the fact that the PlayStation VR is probably the most successful piece of hardware. And it's also one of the lower end ones. So if, if people aren't paying the money to help develop things, to help push the technology forward, then what do we get? Or do we get a connect situation where there's a few great experiences that work really well on this piece of sort of emergent hardware, but because no- it's not being widely supported and adopted, 
it could just disappear uh, come the next generation, you know? So it, it, we're in a weird place with VR right now. I think it needs to take some big steps forward, but I, I've been won over by it this year. The PSVR has been a really cool piece of hardware. There are yeah. people saying it should be dead by now. And like you say, we've got titles like Astrobot, Rescue Mission, Tetris yeah. Effect, like high profile stuff that's really good quality coming out in the in 2018. Um, well, I think I think Tetris Effect being at the top of two lists that I've seen, Eurogamering, Giant Bombs, Game of the Years, right? That yeah. will help with the visibility of the platform, which yeah. means more people will pick up a PlayStation VR because it is a PlayStation VR exclusive game um, for VR and it's only on the PS4 uh in general and a bit more people will pick it up and it's been some really good cheap prices recently in the holiday uh, season but the question mm. is because this is the lowest end because this is a console exclusive are we gonna see our playstation gonna be the ones pushing the development of this hardware i'm just not convinced that's where ps5 will be going i really don't know nobody knows at this point but it's hard to say isn't it rich it's hard to say um well i, I certainly don't think that they're doing it wrong no. Um, it, it's the right thing to do to push down prices and get the the devices out there. Um, the best possible technological solution isn't always the most successful. I mean, look at how the handheld game market evolved. No one would have thought the Game Boy would be the thing that really made it explode because it was a terrible device. That's a very good point. Yep. Um, but it was cheap. It sort of did what it was designed to do um other things arguably did it better so there's the links there's game gear stuff mm -hmm. like that that on paper were better machines but nothing got the reach of the game boy um i think it needs that mass market push with something cheap and something that people can easily get in their living rooms which isn't a pc it's a ps4 mm -hmm. um that is the way it's going to go and when, you say, that, does when that, you say but... it's not the future mm. um I don't know. I'm not sure what you mean by that um, in terms of whether VR replaces traditional games. I don't think well, that that's that's what the evangelists will tell you. That's, 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 that's never going to tell you. Yeah, that will be living in Ready Player One in the next 20 years. You know, it's mm. things things like that is what, you know, is being said. Um, I think, yeah, you're, you're talking about I mean, it's a very good point with the Game Boy. However, I mean that is a piece of technology handheld gaming that that reached its limitations you know you could say the the you know the vita isn't really which is the newest piece of hardware for in that area isn't really that different to the game boy is it it's just nicer visuals a bit yeah. more complicated input um but the the whole idea that vr is gonna you know get smaller and smaller it's gonna bring in augmented reality elements it's gonna become just a pair of glasses you can wear you know that kind of that kind of dream yeah. Um, we aren't going to get there unless unless a lot more money is spent in the field developing the hardware. And I, I'm not sure it will because, like, you you know, Tetris is obviously a success. The PSVR sales have made it a success already. Are PlayStation going to want to innovate it or are they just going to be happy with where it is? Um, it's, it's, you know, who knows what they're going to do? Is it going to be in every box of, uh, of the, with the PlayStation, you know? next generation is that what they're going to do is it going to be this cut down amazing piece of ar you know enabled hardware that you know ships with every playstation 5 for only a thousand dollars you know what what's so. the goal <laughs> if it was me what i'd be doing is not making it better high, high resolution um lenses and all that stuff I, I would be cutting down the size of it like you say try and make mm. it more um 
streamlined, wireless, and just more like a pair of glasses than it is like a flip, I was, fucking helmet, um, you know? I was playing, I picked up Arizona Sunshine in the sale on VR. Yeah. And it's not, it, no, I'm not even, never going to argue this is a great game. Never going to argue this is a great game. It's low resolution, you know, it, you know, style. It's a zombie shooter. You know, it, it's pretty standard fare. However, even then, in that hardware, with those lack of polys, with the, you know, the, the screen door effect and, and all of those detractions, you know, I've got my aim controller, which is the most ridiculous piece of accessory you'll ever see outside of VR. However, when you're in VR and it feels like you're holding that assault rifle and it feels like you're actually getting attacked by the zombies, it still gets your heart pumping. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It still works and has an effect, even even in those less impressive experiences. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah. Why try and necessarily massively improve it? I think they could improve res for P for the PS5 version. Things can get better without the price getting ridiculous, you know, and it can, you know, the form factor can get smaller. And, you know, they try and keep the price point the same, but, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge leap, does it? It could just be some quality of life improvements for them at the moment. Um, mm. It'd be, I'm curious. I don't think VR's dead. I still I still consider it more of a gimmick than a, a game changer, as it were. Um, but yeah, this year is the year I came on board. So that's definitely on my list for like gaming experience of the year. Right there, definitely. Um, what would you like oh. to talk about, Richard? Uh, what else is on my list? Quite a few things. Quite a few things that are also on my list. So, um, Well... I'm thinking we save some of the bigger stuff towards the end and just give a shout out to some, of, yeah. some smaller titles. Sure, man. Yoku's Island Express was good. Did you see this this year? Not really. Is it a 3D platformer? Nah. Is this 2D. the marble game? Yeah. I've heard about the marble game. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I, I wasn't expecting much from it, but it was on sale and um, I actually got a lot out of it. You're a dung beetle. Not you. All right, calm down. <laughs> uh so you you play uh, a dung beetle and he pushes a ball around and um it's a really clever mechanic so you knocking about this island right and the island has got various dips and ramps and whatever to push this ball around on um and even pinball sections so he'll go into a tunnel and then suddenly you'll be knocking him around with these um like, sort of flippers in a pinball style and it's got a sort of vibe of that Sonic game. So, there's a Sonic pinball game that came out back in the day, wasn't there? So it's a bit like that, but actually good. So there's all sorts of um, characters littered about the island that will um, ask you to complete subquests for them. Um, lots of collectibles to pick up. And it doesn't do anything especially new beyond the ball mechanic, which is itself um, quite a good hook. And it gets enough out of it to justify the rest of the game, which is a bit more rote. Mm. Um, but, you know, that that just makes it a really accessible game with a fresh new angle. And I enjoyed it all the way through. Um, completed it 100%. But, you know, that's not saying much for me. I tend to do that anyway. Uh, but, yeah, really good 2D platformer with, in 2018, a new idea, pretty much. So... That doesn't come along in platforming very often. So it, it doesn't. No, I mean it doesn't come along in games very often, yeah. mate. I mean, to be honest, I was just waxing lyrical about Tetris Effect. That's a 
Tetris game in 2018. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, you know, there's not a lot of, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quickly touch on two more then. Uh, and uh, you know, Ubisoft's latest open worlds, uh, Far Cry Five and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, they're two of the games I've put the most time into this year, like a huge amount of time into both. Um, definitely more into ACO uh, than uh, Far Cry Five, but they're both very, very well constructed worlds. Um, mm. Both beautiful worlds, absolutely stunning to look at. Um, I think Far Cry Five definitely gets a bit tired a bit quicker than Assassin's Creed Odyssey did. But mm. at the same time, you know, for doing one of them, it's definitely better than four. Um, you know, I liked, I wish they'd committed more to the concept of the far right uh, political dissident cultist element and really doubled down on the politics of that. However, it's Ubisoft and they're always really careful to avoid politics, yeah. um, which is kind of a shame because they pick, they often pick subject matter and setting that would be a really good way of actually exploring and and really sort of delving into the politics of those situations. But then they then always back out. So it's like, why are yeah. you picking these pro you know provocative areas or subjects or or anything to only then you know decide not to do it? Um, however, it's very frustrating because that's that's the game I wanted to play, and you know having them pitch it as um, some sort of um, analogy to the current ascendance of the far right um that's something i was interested in for it not to be there it just kind of put me off the game you know did you play it in the end i can't remember no no you no, didn't. didn't i mean it's worth picking I mean, it's probably on sale now isn't it I, would, I imagine it's in the the winter sales that are running until just after today for most places i mean it's it's a very good open world first person shooter uh, there is a lot of fun to be had in there, especially with your AI companions. It's great fun in co-op, Rich. We could do that. That'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it doesn't quite go far enough. Um, hmm. Obviously, they've got this uh, new... I can't even remember what it's called, but it looks so generic. They, they're kind of, you know, doing that thing where they you reuse the map, reuse the engine of Far Cry 5, uh, and releasing in next year, there's like a post-apocalyptic Far Cry game coming out, which looked right. a lot like they saw the visuals for Rage 2 and went, ooh, post-apocalypse with colour? We can do that. Uh, um, but in a way, I, I, we're doing Game of the Year, so I'll spoil it. The end of Far Cry is interesting because, do you know how it ends, Rich? No. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a... It's kind of when you're playing it, it's a letdown, but actually thematically, it's kind of brave of them. So the whole idea is that Joseph Seed is this far right wing cultist, and the idea is that he wants everybody to prepare for the end of days when all the nukes go off and stuff, and then the nukes go off. You yeah. don't stop it from happening. The end of days happens. So this sequel game that's coming out is going to be set in that it's it's set in the same world because the, the apocalypse happened um so it's kind of like you know you're saying it's weird isn't it rich because you're like we didn't go far enough but then it kind of does <laughs> at the <laughs> end it kind of does go that extra mile um and it's a bit of a it's weird because playing it you're the hero and you want to stop it from happening but they don't yeah. let you um what, what i'm what i'm missing from that is I, I would want them to have their own comment on that situation rather than just show that happening yeah, talk about it happening. Why is that happening? Who caused it? What can we do to stop it? 
I, I, I value that sort of discussion in games and we don't get it enough. So I mm. thought that was a missed opportunity. Absolutely. But let, let me move on to the game that I, I would put in my top three or five at least for the year, which is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, they're doing this thing with Assassin's Creed where, you know, it's been running a long time now. There's been a lot of Assassin's Creed games and they've realized you can't keep doing the same thing. So they're moving away from these third-person action-adventure games, which is what Assassin's Creed originally was. Uh, you know, the stealth, the assassinations. And they're, and they're just going into historically set action role-playing territory now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, they do it incredibly well. This is all set in, in ancient Greece. Uh, it's to, it, during the Peloponnesian War uh, between Athens and Sparta. You play as a mercenary, a mystios. Uh, and you can play as Cassandra or the dude. I recommend you don't play as the dude. Cassandra is an amazing character. I have absolutely loved experiencing this story with her. Um, they're also massively supporting it with DLC because there isn't going to be an Assassin's Creed next year. So they're bringing out uh, additional content all through 2019. Um, and this is what Ubisoft is doing now. They, the games as a service model is something that they've really doubled down on with Siege um, and their other titles. And then they're bringing that kind of uh, emphasis to AC as well. Uh, and I really like the direction they're taking Assassin's Creed. The purists out there would definitely argue against, you know, lots of random loot drops and customization options. But I think it, it's a great power fantasy. Um, it's it's kind of this exact opposite to Red Dead um, when it comes to gameplay. It's fast. It's frenetic. It's you are a, basically a demigod. Um, and you get to just you know wreck house across ancient ancient Greece, and and it's a huge map, a gorgeous world. It looks fantastic. It's fun to play, um, and I've really really enjoyed um, my time with Assassin's Creed a lot more than I did my time with Red Dead, um, which I fell off of pretty quick, um, as I kind it of knew me. I would. Yeah. So yeah, I'm disappointed in myself for that. We can talk about Red Dead. Yeah, let's touch on Red Dead. Neither of us have played it enough to. Um, really be credible on this podcast so everyone can tune out now but uh we we, we really should we should have done better shouldn't we but i've well, only played till chapter what is it chapter two I, I, after I'm the three maybe four i don't know i'm a bit further but not much yeah so i'm really not far enough into it to comment meaningfully but the control stuff that people have complained about i can kind of see it but um i think i'm already used to it just a short way into the game um it's just i don't know the, the reason i've not played it enough it's a weird one i've not played it enough because it looks so good and i want to be able to just involve myself in it fully without anything else distracting me mm. um i haven't found a good time to do that even over christmas because there's been too many other other distractions so i don't know when i'm going to play it but i will play it i uh i did that thing where I bought it because it was important to know a bit about it because that's the thing everybody was talking about. Even though I knew Rockstar games aren't for me. They're just never for me. They never grab me. Um, I, I'm not interested in the way they make games, you know, and, and this is like them <laughs> doubling down on all of that. Um, the incredible slow pace, you know, forcing you in into this level of immersion which does work it's incredibly brave um i also think though due to the amount of hype and anticipation they do get away with some things maybe other games wouldn't um there has been some critical backlash i've seen you know uh more than a few prominent um reporters and journalists in the in the in game industry saying you know the more they played it the more they actually disliked the game to to the point where they actually hated it by the end um really? you know 
so there there are people out there that have pushed back against it because that there are there are elements of the pacing of the repetitive nature of the gameplay as it goes along with the you know ride 20 minutes to get to a place to have a gunfight with the poor checkpointing so when you die in the gunfight you have to ride that 20 minutes again there's a lot of that um oh. that kind of yeah torturous old school game design where rockstar can get away with it they can call it a artistic choice they can they can you know or they you know they can give it any excuse they want because it's one of those games that's too big to fail. People anticipated it for so long. Uh, they were always going to get the raft of day one, week one, month one sales. Um, so it didn't really matter how bad the game was necessarily by the end of it. Um, and it's a huge game. And a lot of people will probably put 20, 30 hours in. I'm quite interested to see how online uh develops and once it's actually fleshed out a bit i would like to get in there with yourself and with some other friends and you know posse up and do all of that but it sounds like even that's quite difficult and convoluted at the moment uh and there's not a lot of content in there anyway um so yeah i'm, I'm not sure how i feel about it really i mean i i feel how i always feel about rockstar games which is that they have a impressive level of technical development no doubt about it they are beautiful to look at they are often quite dull to play and then the characterization and the stories do nothing for me I'm generally with you on Rockstar because um, I'm not a great fan of GTA at all. But the original, not the original, uh, Red Dead Redemption, the, mm. the first game, was um, fantastic for me. Absolutely loved it from beginning to end. And I couldn't put that down. So I don't know. I, I know that Red Dead Redemption 2 will get its hooks into me. It's just finding the right time for it. Yep. And, uh, you know, going into 2019 as we change things, hopefully we can find the time to facilitate that a little bit easier mm. um which will be nice um okay looking at my list um let i want you i mean i know you said you were kind of wanting to leave some of the big stuff uh, towards the end but i don't really know how long this is going to go anyway um but did you want to talk about god of war because i yeah. have not played enough of this and this is like on either number one spots it was one obviously the video game awards best game of the year um the jeff Keighley joint um it's so it's almost always on the number one number two or number three spot for all the outlets and for everybody's personal lists it's my big hole that i need to go and play some more of this and, and get this finished um i haven't i just haven't had a chance yet however i've got one on my list you haven't played which you should have done so yeah you can do you do god of war and then i'll do mine afterwards okay um god of war i, I don't know if we're gonna do what our favorite game of the year was we're gonna talk a bit yeah we can money, aren't we but um... you can do that if you want i don't mind if we were going to do that, God of War is definitely a contender. It's certainly top three. Um, just for the way... Um, the initial reaction to it is, is this really God of War? Because thematically, it feels very different to the rest of the series, which is very much about gunko, uh, machismo, and um, a, a lot of uh, sort of boy attitudes and demeaning hmm. of women and over sexualization of female characters and dehumanization of anyone but um kratos himself a central character Who, who's a kratos yeah that's his name it's kratos Is i've it? never heard it called kratos before it's kratos mm, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it's kratos <laughs> you always call him kratos Okay, can't, can't, I don't think I've like, said it out loud before. It sounds like shit, 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 Kratos, Kratos, Kratos. Okay, Kratos, <laughs> Kratos, Kratos. Fine. Does, he, does, he, does his name not come up very often? I guess it doesn't, does it? If you think about no. it, especially not in the new one. 
because uh, most people don't know who he is. So it, it doesn't come up a great deal. And dad, I guess, gets mentioned more often. So Yeah, even the kid just gets called boy. They're not boy. very good names. Does he have a name, actually? I think he does, but I can't remember it. Okay. He just calls him boy. Um, but yeah, the the tone is very different from the original games. Um, and that comes with Kratos having his son around. And um, from the early trailers, I, I was dubious that it was going to pan out in the way that they were saying it was, because there was a lot of lingering shots of uh, Kratos like caring for his son and sort of unspoken paternal um, instincts on show. And uh, I thought well, that's that's a different angle, and that it shows a different side to that character. Well, it shows a side to that character because he's very two dimensional before. And I thought well, that's interesting. And it's not a, it's not a reboot or anything. It is the same thing. It's just the character has grown, and it's showing you mm. something new of him. And I thought I thought that was really interesting. Um, but on top of that, it goes to a different land as well, where no one really knows him, like you say. I've got windy pops. I'm going to belch. Excuse me. Love it. Live podcast, baby. That's how it rolls. Uh, shouldn't drink Diet Coke before I go into a long monologue about God of War. But um, <laughs> yeah, so he goes to a new place. No one really knows who he is. Um, and they use it as a really good excuse to um, change a lot about what God of War is. So it's no longer a linear slash them up through uh, nice looking environments with increasingly large and ugly beasts um, just being thrown at you. It gives you much more agency to explore the world, um, do sub, uh, side quests, sub quests, um, find pickups uh, along the way. Stories relate to you in very clever ways. So you've got the, the boat that you row between different environments in with your son with you. And um, the the chats that they have where Kratos tells his son different stories about things that happened before he was born and the sort of flesh out the backstory uh, without it needing a cutscene, And it just bridges that gap between gameplay and uh, narrative without any seams at all. And even when there is a cutscene, it seeks seamlessly into gameplay. So you've got these amazing action sequences that you're in control of without it even feeling like a quick time event, you know, it just, it's so well uh, designed in terms of giving you that agency as a player, but making maximum cinematic impact at the same time. Nothing else does it. It's such See, a I never, introduction. I didn't even get to the boat. No, so, no, didn't even get to the boat bit. Um, I've heard about it. Don't worry. You didn't spoil it for me, but um, I, I, yeah, I think for me, I, I left off too early and it was, um, it was before the combat really kicks into a higher gear before you start really using boy as a, as a, as a fighting assistant. Yes. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I fought a couple of trolls, I think. Um, and then that was about it. <laughs> so, so I fought, I fought Thor, the stranger. From the outset, the combat system doesn't feel particularly involved, does it? It feels no. quite, quite stripped yeah. back from the original, original God of War games. But um, the more you play it, the more it adds in. And by the end, it does feel like an accomplished um, combat game in that feels true to God of War, but has all that other stuff built around it as well. So it's so well rounded. Mm. Yeah. You have, well, let's go. Let's. It, you've got to play. I'm gonna, it. I've got to do it. I need to do it. I need to put more time into it. I, I definitely want to. I just have an isolated, like weird. I'm putting Tetris on instead. I'm playing, you know, 
various things that have shown up in the sale, you know, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I'm 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 horribly easily distracted, but um, I'm going to move us then from one uh, PlayStation exclusive to another PlayStation exclusive. And I know Richard, uh, this is one that you have got and done basically what I've done, which hasn't found enough time to really get into that, and that is Spider Man. Spider-Man is absolutely, without a doubt, one of the best games of this year, and easily in my top top five list. Um, it's it's got the best traversal in an open world game because you swing around as fucking Spider-Man, and it I've feels it incredible. Sorry, I played it this morning. It is, played some more this morning. It's really good. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? It feels incredible moving around that city. Um, it feels like it's a really alive place. When you swing swing down to street level and you're and you're swinging between like lorries and taxi cabs and jumping off of them as you as you go around, it's got some problems. It's got very kind of rote, uh, open worldy sort of side missiony things which are a yeah. bit basic once you start to delve into them. Um, but what's incredible for a game like this is that it has an amazingly good story that only gets better as it goes along. Um, great use of ancillary uh, Spider-Man characters fantastic relationship stuff between peter and mary jane is so well written so well performance captured um it is i never thought this so this um is what started me down the road of really getting into spider-man i while i'm a big comics fan marvel fan as well never been a spider-man fan so playing this game got me reading some spider-man comics and off of the back of that i went to see the new spider-verse movie and i'm really that i'm in now i'm in i can see why people love the spider-man he is a great character he's you know, he's fallible, uh, he's human, um, it's a power fantasy that works for, for every guy ever, you know, it's it's just fabulously well-produced game. Uh, the combat feels really good, it's accessible, yet there's enough depth to keep you interested. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a great game, man. What, what are your early thoughts on it? You're liking it? I'm comparing it to Sunset Overdrive because it's well, the, yeah. same, the same team. Yeah. And in terms of traversal, that was incredible. I this love grind, grinding. Not, I'm not sure it is, honestly. Oh, I'm not sure it, it is. is. <laughs> I found Sunset a bit fiddly. Um, having to do things like the ground pound to get the bounce and stuff. And yeah. it punished you every time you reached the ground. And it, I always found it quite difficult to get back off the ground again quickly in Sunset Overdrive. Whereas in Spider-Man, especially when you start unlocking powers, you basically never have to touch the ground if you don't want to. Uh, and and, and, you, and you're just zipping around 100 miles an hour all the time. That it it the feels same. more like you're under more, more direct control in Spider-Man than you did in Sunset Overdrive because in sunset you'd get on a rail and you'd be on a rail whereas in yeah. spider-man you can change direction much more freely at any time um, did you finish sunset no i bounced off of it for the tra traversal mechanics mostly okay well you so. you missed the proper game then i, I, know, I don't <laughs> want to be that guy but okay. near the end of, not even near the end part way through sunset overdrive the controls uh, do open up mm. and it gives you much greater scope to just keep on rolling on rails, running well, across I, walls, never touch the ground at all. Well, that incredible. may be the case. Well, that may be the case. You can't argue that Spider-Man doesn't have a better fucking story because <laughs> there oh, was no, 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 no. narrative in Overdrive <laughs> worth talking about at all. Um, and I've, the characters in Spider-Man are fantastic. I found it so. fun, but I'm, yeah, I'm not far into the Spider-Man enough to, to really say, but um, it's obviously a very built, very well-built world. Um, the sort of characterization stuff that i've seen so far the motion capture the facial uh, capture mm. is just amazing really yep. good um yep. really, really, i, I really, think really the, the world itself is great to traverse um it feels fun to swing around oh yeah the, the, there's something about 
um, traversal mechanics, I always like there to be a bit of an impediment so it feels better when you do it right. And I'm not sure Spider-Man's quite on the right side of that. It does feel too easy to get around and do everything that you want without any challenge. Um, I, That's a weird thing to say, but I can sort of see what you're saying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, kinda. Like you kinda want to feel skilled doing at doing it. it rather than it just give you it. There, there are definitely there is definitely traversal in Spider-Man. You there there are ways of doing it better. I think you maybe haven't really got to that yet if yeah. you're early on. Um but there's like a horizontal web zip. Um there's there's timing to the swinging in the arcs as well, um, mm. which will give you speed boosts and things like that. Um and there's combat mechanics that are involved with swinging. Uh, which you unlock as you sort of progress through the game as well. Uh, okay. So there, there, there is, there are things like I'm, I'm that. trusting that will open up in the same yeah. way that Sunset did. Um, I guess for me, the other problem with Sunset is the what drives me through an experience is resonating with characters and story, and I didn't feel that in Sunset. It's kind of like the problem I've had with God of War. Um, I'm meant to care about this dude's dead wife. I've never met her. Mm, okay. Uh, I struggled with the opening to that um, to making me care. You know, so both care by virtue of the child losing his mother. That's more of a hook. I, mean, I don't have empathy. <laughs> I don't, I don't empathy for weak people. We can't have empathy in 2018 in Brexit England. What are you talking about? Oh, like no. you've got to get ready to murder on the streets, Richard, to survive. That's what's coming next year. This year, I should say. Um, just, just prepare yourself. Gird your loins. Uh, it's coming. Um, I'm but no, uh, the gym this month. I'm getting ready. Getting ready. Gonna, mm. gonna, you know, uh, Mad Max sort of style it. Yeah. It, nice. Yeah nice um but yes that that's a really impressive experience uh it really blew me away this year i didn't think i was going to enjoy that much it kind of actually <laughs> it made me think of saying i that one of my biggest disappointments as well um goddamn platform exclusivity is shit like mm. even though i have every platform i still think it's really shitty that people on xbox don't get to experience spider-man and god of war and stuff like that and yes their first party games it still sucks <laughs> It still sucks. And then and the lack of cross-play in multiplayer games as well. PlayStation dragging their feet on that one. And it's like, guys, let's just, that let's just make games sucks. available to people. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've not got anything against people making exclusive games for their own platforms. I mean, you know, Spider-Man's their thing. Why wouldn't they do it? And, you know, if people really want it, they'll get a PS4. That's the point, isn't it? Well, the, the... so it's weird, isn't it? Because Insomniac isn't a Sony studio. However there's license spider-man Spider is connected property. to sony yeah, yeah for the for the video games and the movies so it's kind of like yeah it's that sort of ties it to them um which is i don't know that's that's a bit bullshit isn't it i mean like it wasn't even made by a sony studio so if they wanted to make it work they could have let that get out on xbox yeah it's not the same as god of war which is a an ip created by sony um mm. so it's kind of like you know they could have had that out there um but you know that yeah, it's, but it's Sony funded though, isn't it? That's the bottom line. I mean, oh, every game, yeah, every game has to be funded by someone. But it's like, surely it makes the most sense to put it on the most pieces of hardware, so you get the most sales and make back the most amount of money. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, doesn't that make sense? <laughs> so, I, I guess know. they're trying to I use mean... it to drive hardware sales. But you know, at this point in the generation, is that really gonna push a lot of hardware? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, did you want to throw out another game? Tomb Raider, because um, okay. that comes off the back of that topic, really. So the, the last Tomb Raider game was famously Xbox exclusive for a while, and that's for the kind year. of exclusivity yeah. that I don't agree with. Yeah. Um, 
where it's just paid to keep some people from not having it for a time. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, so gross. PS4 players should have had that ages ago. But anyway, new one. They've solved that problem. It's out on both. Brilliant. Woo! And I'm really, I'm really glad everyone can play Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and everyone should, because it's the first Tomb Raider of the rebooted run that actually has proper tombs to raid and is much more than um, a fancy upgraded combat version of Uncharted. It it has felt like it's un- it's a reaction to Uncharted. It's put a load of combat mm. in there like that had and just made it a bit more visceral. Um, but it does get that side of it right. That's great. But it has been missing the whole purpose of what Lara Croft does, and that's to find treasure and investigate um, ancient um, tombs and stuff like that. And this does that so well and seamlessly as well. So it, it's not like the past two games where it will sort of introduce, right, this is the tomb bit. This is tomb number three. Um, and yeah. you just come across stuff. You'll just see a glint of light through a wall and think, hang on, is there something there? And then you, you'll find that it opens up into this whole other area. And it just feels so, so richly detailed and huge. Um, not in the style of like the, you know, you can compare it to Assassin's Creed and say, well, actually, it's nowhere near the scope of those games. But within the confines of quite a linear narrative um, story, um, within, uh, I, 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 I suppose there's not very many areas in it. If you write down on paper how many different um, places there are to go in Shadow of the Tomb Raider, but each one is built so well and crafted so expertly with enough stuff in there that you think this is a real place, that it just achieves that perfect balance for me. Assassin's Creed builds, uh, they build great worlds in that, but they often feel like there's space there just for the sake of making it feel like a big place. Everywhere in Shadow of the Tomb Raider, it feels like there's a reason for it to be there, but it doesn't feel like it's been designed. Oh, I think the uh, difference. I think the difference there, mate, is that Shadow of the Tomb Raider isn't trying to be anywhere real. Whereas, uh, whereas when you're trying to recreate Hellenic Greece, yes, there will be times yeah. when there are just fields or forests or mountains. You know that that's true. <laughs> so it's kind of like you know. Yeah, I literally. True. I mean, I know, I know that part of the world quite well, and having visited some of the islands in that in that sort of areas that are in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and when you visit them in the game, there is things that you kind of go. While not like exactly one to one, that geography, that sort of feel and look is very reminiscent of the reality. Um, so where's Shadow Tomb Raider is, is, is fake, well, isn't it? It's all made well, up. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna veer off to Forza Horizon Four there. All right, we, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go for they, That's both on our list. So yeah, so um, that that's a game that is supposed to be representing somewhere real, but has the sense to cut it down in a way and change it in a way that makes sense for a video game. Forza, Forza surprised me a bit because I got the impression it was meant to be a representation of the UK, but really it just feels like Scotland for the most part. Pretty much just Scotland, yeah, and the yeah. DLC's Ireland, I think. Well, no, it's more like a Scottish island. It's more like the Isle of sort of like one of the like the, the slightly northern islands from what I can is tell it? of Scotland is what they've gone for. Yeah, like extreme weather and you can see the northern lights off the off of it above it. And yeah, so it's meant to be like the, you know, what they call like the, the Shetland. Is that Shetland Islands up that way? Yeah, uh, right. I'm not I good thought, 
this, you know what what are those um weird land formations in Ireland called where it's got like hexagonal y- yes yeah fair play but they've That's probably stolen there. some bits but when it comes to the sort of the and it's, it's called it's Fortune very... Island yeah, but so it's they've very... got like pots of gold and shit. Yeah. No, no, that's yeah. fair too. Yeah, you, you bring up a fair point. But then again, it has extreme weather and it has uh, it's very, very rugged. Ireland yeah. is a lot more like chill <laughs> when it yeah. comes to geography <laughs> than yeah. what they've done in this island. But so there, there is a combination. But yeah, there's a clearly the studio was like, where's the dramatic ge- geography? Oh, it's mostly in the north. Fair <laughs> enough. So like, other than the odd sort of like pastoral village. Uh, yeah. in that Forza map it feels it feels a lot more like you know the Highlands and Edinburgh's represented and stuff and you know there's a lot mm. of that up there but it's great do you want to I mean you you segue across yourself there so just let's talk about Forza um wow what a game absolutely love that game hell of a lot of Forza um over Christmas Forza Horizon 4 specifically mm. but yeah even bouncing back to the old ones because we this year we had the HD update of Forza mm-hmm. Horizon 3 so I'm still well into that two years after it came out. Um, they've yep. just done a phenomenal job with the Horizon series and making each one absolutely stand the test of time. And mm-hmm. you can play all of them back to back, and I do. But Forza Horizon 4, um, really great setting. Um, it's good to see that um, we can drive around with familiar street signs. You know, I, I don't know Scotland that well. but Driving on the left. Yeah, driving yeah. on the left. Um, having the street signs that you recognize, see phone boxes and stuff like that. It's cool. It's just really cool. Duh. And uh, just you know, aside from the setting, the stuff they added with the seasons, I'm not sure Amazing. it makes much gameplay difference. I thought it would do, but um, it just seems more of a, a visual shift. But that said, it's nice that it's there. And it's it so does... cool, man. It's like every so every week it will shift through a season. Mm. Uh, and this is this is a change server-based change that affects everyone's game who's yeah. playing um and it, this is this on they've made forza into this online shared world driving game where there are no more like driver tar vehicles that every vehicle driving around that isn't just you know a little silly little flesh out the world car is actually driven by a human and then on the hour every hour there are these game modes that pop up um forza-thon is it i think yeah. it is uh, that happens that everybody can join in and just get a bunch of like they're usually fun and silly and you can basically just get um these massive rewards for doing long jumps and working together as as the as a community and and yeah it's just it's a stunning the other thing i really like about this situation is um how they've done the story stuff you know so they have these like sort of contained 10 race or 10 event mini stories so you've got yeah. like you know you the video game streamer one where you got to drive all the different uh the, her favorite cars from different video games for example in different like challenges and and beat the clocks time trials jumps and stuff like that and then you've got I've like not the, seen that. you've not seen that one you have to be level no. you must be at the right level for this but it's fantastic so there are all these there's 10 10 different challenges and they're 10 cars from different video games Oh, over cool. the years and it's fucking awesome man you get to drive these cars in forza doing these events that are kind of reminiscent of the kind of driving experience you'd have had from that game yeah. um all around this sort of like she's a she's like a video streamer for like this channel and it's it's got a really nice setting and then you've got like the 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 fancy car rental storyline you've got all these different framing devices basically that open up when you hit certain thresholds and certain levels and things like that around the map so there's always something to do literally always something to do yeah. um 
So there's, you know, you can just do street races. If you just want to focus on street races, that will continually open up new street races for you on the map or off-road or drag or um, uh, drifting. There's there's literally always something. And, and now they've brought in, for the first time ever, the ability to actually craft your own races, not just, say, change um, the conditions, but actually alter the route so you can have this blueprint mode where you can actually plot out races and of course the whole community is doing this it's all connected it's all shared so there's literally an infinite amount of content available in this game like it's yeah. incredible it's an incredible suite of features um there for is a, a lot there. Game. i mean that's borne out by me having I've, I've dabbled in that story stuff but I've, I've done maybe one or two bits but i am nearly level 100 so you know if i can get to that sort of level and miss all that stuff that it just shows you've how been you've been playing it really differently i mean that's the thing yeah. you can play the game in literally however you want for example mm. you told me you didn't want to do anything until you'd driven on every road because <laughs> you are yeah. a special person i am a bit weird like that that's every forza weird. game that comes out um every horizon game i have to clean i have to clear up the map first fill in every line so uh, bizarre Okay. Well, it's just a pain otherwise, isn't it? Because if you why? do it bit by bit and you then you forget where you've been. And why you does it matter? Quite... Why have you got to drive on every road at all? Because there's, there's an achievement for it. Oh, right. So, yeah, do <laughs> that first. That. Do that first. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> so you've missed out on like the cool video game race challenges and all of that. Did you, did you even done the showcases? You've done all the showcases? Have you done, done the Warthog? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. How good is the special. Halo one? That's so good. They're so all good, good though, aren't they? They're all mm. fantastic, those showcases. They are so much fun. I wish there was more of them. Um, yeah. If they brought out some DLC of more showcases, that would be super, super cool. Because um, they're always so over the top. The, the Halo one this time around, though, when you're in a warthog and you're like racing to get a, catch a pelican and they change like elements of the game so that there's banshees flying overhead and you've got the ring in the distance on the horizon curving around you. And it's like, oh my God, they, these guys really did Halo. Like... They really did it. And one of the funniest things is, though, when my wife ever watches me driving in this game, first of all, she'll say, do you have to hit everything? And then secondly, it will be the walls like that wouldn't respond to a car being hit that way. Uh, you would be dead. <laughs> uh, you'd be dead because there are bits yeah. where you can drift through the stone walls and just watch them like cascade over your car because it's just a funny visual yeah. uh and, but that you're, you're racking up you know wrecking points or whatever they call it for that as well and and uh, man there's, there's so much in that game just like it's constantly rewarding you isn't it there's constantly bars going up and circles filling in and numbers it, ticking it over mad. yeah it rewards it, you for fucking up basically it's a it's a skinner box of driving experiences it's like literally yeah. like ding 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 do you want some wheel spins yeah. here's some yeah. wheel spins here's some new <laughs> shoes do you like a new hat have a car while you're at it here's some more money which you never have a shortage of do you always have at least two two million credits yes you do but that's fine have another hundred thousand and it's just like, <laughs> it's just constantly like rewarding you and and thanking you for playing and it, it's an incredibly easygoing experience you li you literally yeah. can't fail at this game you there isn't a win there isn't a lose condition is there i mean everything's a win condition in this game but it's just such a fun game to put spotify onto and just bum around like literally just i'm just gonna hang out i'm gonna drive a little bit i'm gonna see some things you know it's beautiful to look at um depending on what season you're in you're gonna get a different experience as well visually um yeah. i think the only real gameplay stuff from that you mentioned there wasn't a lot i mean snow plays differently depending on the car you're in definitely plays differently um and then it's mostly in the off-road situations yeah so if it's like autumn yeah. and it's wet 
there's less traction. But yeah, I mean, there's only so much. I was, I was imagining different gameplay routes. Like, um, there is some it, that. There is some of that. Yeah, because there's the frozen lakes. The and frozen stuff. lake is the big one. But yeah. the, I was imagining there'd be snow drifts that you could dr- drive right. up onto roofs and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Know, but, okay. Yeah. None of that. Okay. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, it is really good. I mean, I'm, I'm quibbling. Uh, the stuff you said um, about being able to drive through walls and that not responding yeah. in a way a real car would. Forza has gone there, you know. I mean, from f- um, the original Forza games and to the early Forza Horizon games, they were more unforgiving about driving into barriers and walls. And they realized it wasn't as fun to mm. make it more realistic. They've deliberately made it silly and just let you drive through absolutely everything because it's just more enjoyable. And there, there is plenty of flexibility. I mean, you can turn off all the assists. You can, you know, put it, you know, to manual steering. You can take off all the driving assists. You can take off your racing lines. You can take, you can put damage on, you know, you, you, you really can if you want to make it difficult in the racing bits of the game not just the open world bits you can absolutely do that um which is one of the best things about it and it rewards you for it the more Mm. less assists you have the more points you make for you know placing and winning and stuff like that um but it's 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 an incredible shared experience and you know just a fantastic piece of of development i mean i'm i don't know about you but it's exciting to think what thing playground games is also doing that isn't forza now um long rumored that you know they've been they have been bought by Microsoft. They have a studio that has been spun up not to make a driving game. Um, so what are they making? You know, with that level of skill and fidelity, I can't wait to see whatever that project might be in 2020 or whatever. Mm. So on the, on the next hardware. So it's quite exciting, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm always, I always look forward to a new Forza, and this one did not disappoint. Not at all. Not at all. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, okay, I'm going to talk, and it's one of the cool things actually about 2018 in gaming. When I was looking back, I actually st- I'm struggling a little bit to really pull out the games that really resonated with me. But then I kind of realized that there's just been so many of at least a good standard. Like there's been a lot fewer uh, terrible games, I think. So it's like the standard in general has gone up uh, mm. across the board. So it less stands out, I guess, in a way because of that. But the coolest thing is that. While the AAA games are consistently of a high quality, the indie games, the smaller games, are now reaching this point where, man, these things these things are really impressive as well. And I'm going to quickly name-check a couple. I thought Cultist Simulator was a brilliantly weird, different kind of experience on PC, which is this sort of card game that simulates the idea of creating and running a cult. Uh, it's dark. It's, it's mostly text-based and these cards and stuff, and it's all about how they interact. Uh, but very peculiar, weird little game. If you want to try it, it's probably in the sale on Steam or whatever. Uh, and if you want to try something completely different to all the, everything else we've been talking about, I highly recommend checking out Cultist Simulator. Uh, then also we've had an incredible um, selection of simulation and strategy type games this year uh, on console and on PC. The one I would like to, a couple I'd like to mention on console, which is uh, Surviving Mars, which was a fantastic game. It's also on PC. Uh, a very serious take on what it would be like to try and colonize Mars in the uh, the near future. Uh, it's difficult. You've got to manage lots of systems. You've got like oxygen and resources to manage as well as um, just trying to get colonists out there and then their back and forth and their needs as they change and their psychology as they, you know, loneliness and things can like that can set in. Um, that's a really, really cool experience. And then on uh, PC, a game I would like to play it a little bit more if I haven't had time to, but it is a fantastically cool, uh, cool uh, game, which is uh, Frostpunk which is this management simulator. It was almost a city sim uh, in which you're trying to sort of survive 
uh, a post-apocalypse in a kind of a steampunky-esque uh, diesel punk uh, situation, like an alternative, I don't know, mid-1900s place where the whole world is frozen and you're just trying to stay warm and stay alive as the uh, the snow and the cold encroaches upon your, your, little, your little enclave of survivors. It's incredibly bleak. You have to make choices where there is no good choice. Like, oh, does this group die or does this group die? Uh, hmm. Should I sacrifice these people for the betterment of those? However, if I do that, uh, I'm going to have this group turn on me. There's a lot of that. Uh, it's like, the, you know, making the best of a bad situation uh, and then usually being booted out of your own settlement because you're incompetent to die in the frozen wastes. That's how my hmm. games usually end in that. Um, but uh, yeah, th those have both been fantastic, uh, cool little experiences on PC and console. But there's one, there's one here. There's one here, Richard, that stood one indie game that has stood out in my mind above all the rest, and it's on your list as well. And that is the the perfection of Dead Cells. Dead Cells. Um, this is the tightest Metroidvania slash roguelite experience I have ever had. The game plays perfectly. And I, I, I do mean perfectly. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you've played a few more of these types of games, perhaps, than I have, Richard. But in my experience, this has got the tightest controls, the most responsive controls of any game of this nature I have played in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and basically, it it's all about uh, prioritizing uh, your combat mechanics over animation. So you can roll out of an attack. You can attack out of a roll. You can jump out of a roll. You, you always feel 100% in control. And what that means is in these semi-randomized environments that you're fighting your way through is that any death that happens is on you. You can always, you know, you should play better, basically. It's never a case of it cheats you. It's never a case of it even being too hard. Every situation can be dealt with. You just need to know how to do it. Uh, and it's and it's perfection for that. And I don't normally like games like this that much. Um, but man, the art style as well, the music, the sort of tongue-in-cheek story, the branching environments, the unlocks, and that combat, man. That, that is the best, like, 20 quid I've ever spent on anything, like, this year when it comes to an indie. Absolutely fantastic game. What I was you... a bit late to it. Um... You were. I had to tell you about it several times, and then finally, you oh, I got Hollow Knight. Shut up. This is better. <laughs> Hollow Knight is great. Um, yes, I, but I this is better. It, it deserves a shout-out for um, doing a similar thing, but in um, a more structured, designed way, so it's much more like um, a sort of 2D Dark Souls but Dead Cells um, obviously has hallmarks of Dark Souls in there. Um, the fact that it sort of procedurally generates each level um, is a turn off for me. That's why I didn't go into it straight away. But actually, the way that it's done here is just, it doesn't feel as accomplished anywhere else as well as Dead Cells does it. Uh, because it all feels like a proper designed level and it's it's all structured in such a way that um e even though it's sort of randomly generated it feels like it's leading somewhere specific so yep. the the levels aren't particularly long you can get through them in maybe two or three minutes and um there's a predictable path to the style of level that you're going to get through so you start off in like sewers or something then you might move on to more more of a castle ramparts level and it always follows a similar sort of path so you know whether you're doing well or not by the environments that you're moving through but it's different 
it's a different way to get there every time. And what's so important in Dead Cells is the excellent combat design in making it a fair, um, a fair challenge to get through these changing environments in um, sort of meaningful way to, you know, the gameplay actually means something. It's not just you get lucky or you don't like Spelunky and stuff like that has felt punishing at times because you'll just get chucked into a, a really bad draw. Um, mm. It's never really like that. Every, every level feels fair and the combat is effective enough that you always feel like you've got a fair shot at doing it. And even if you do fail, it doesn't feel wasted. The mechanic of going back and investing those cells in extra health, extra strength, extra upgrades to your equipment, you always feel like you're building up to a better performance next time. And um, I put quite a lot of time into Dead Cells more than I thought I would. Um, so, yeah, definitely top tier for 2018. Oh, it's incredible. Um, even if you, you're not a Metroidvania, even if you're not into your roguelites and there's all likes, there's so bloody many of them now. There's so mm. many games that have that permadeath, punishing, restart kind of uh, mechanic. Um even even then, the combat is so satisfying. Yes. Um, there's so many different combinations of weapons and gadgets you can take with you on the runs, um, which you'll find around the environment, which you can unlock with that kind of permanent currency that you get from beating, well, I say beating, or dying in a level. There are certain things that you do keep with you, which you can then use to unlock things at the shops and the vendors, um, the, the cells of the game. Uh, you know, even then, it... it just feels great and it's so much fun experimenting like i was trying out different combinations of weapons and like ones i wouldn't normally play with and being just like oh god damn that's so cool that's so much fun to use and then you're like really eager when you see it come up again like, oh man i've got i use that sword again that was, that yeah, was yeah. killer on my last run that i had it it was so so good um and i've avoided the meta i've avoided looking up you know best ways of doing this or how to do this secret or how to beat that i've just really enjoyed throwing myself against that wall usually mm. failing um you know usually not getting very far but always learning something always getting better always getting a little bit more knowledge and i think it the way that's dealt out that you know it's interesting because normally like i say the there's the story is the characters and while they're pretty good in this game they're quite amusing and they dole out little bits of it and hints of of the world um it's not that that keeps me coming back this time it's the gameplay because the gameplay is possibly the best of of this type ever um so yeah it's just incredible really, really high up my list that like absolutely <laughs> it's so weird when you're looking at my list i think oh would i put dead cells or tetris higher and it's like <laughs> tetris yeah. i'm still kind of amazed how good that is in 2018 you know um but yeah it, it is true um did you want to did you want to drop did you want to mention hollow knight just because it's of this yeah genre? i think it, it deserves part of the same discussion as, as i say it's um it's superficially similar and it's a 2d metroidvania game the combat is not as accomplished as dead cells it feels a bit light and simple simplified to begin with that does open up later on as you unlock more skills um it is quite stingy with what it gives you in the beginning it doesn't even give you a map um even when you've got the map it doesn't tell you where you are on it so it takes a little bit of time for you to get the basics of a metroidvania game under your belt um but once you've um, got over that hump, and it's not a very big one, once you've got over that hump, it becomes a, a really well-designed uh, Metroidvania experience 
with undertones of Dark Souls. So the idea is um, you go through this, sort of this miniaturized underground world where everything is a variation on different insects. There's um, sort of wasps and flies and all sorts of grotesque looking creatures, but in a sort of slightly cartoonified, miniaturized way. So I don't want to say that they look cute. They don't, but it has a softer edge to to it than Dark Souls did. Um, mm. And it's sort of it drawn in a 2D cartoon style. It has, yeah, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of a weird balance. But so it, it does feel oppressive, um, even though it looks um, sort of cartoony at the same time. Um, it is like Dark Souls in the sense that you really do feel worried about edging too far forward. There's lots of sections where if you haven't got a torch or um, you haven't got a light power, you're just going through almost pitch blackness. And it's it's terrifying to think what might happen to you next because like Dark Souls, as soon as you encounter something that you can't defeat, um, either because it's too strong for you or you haven't got the right skills, um, you're going to lose all of your... Um, collected experience to that point that you haven't yet spent on additional skills and you've got to work your way back to that part of the map possibly without even having the physical map yet um, to try and recover what you've lost and um, that is really interesting to me that you can have this sort of um, 2d cartoon environment that feels oppressive and um, imposing at the same time um, so that was great, um, but just the the richness of the world is fantastic. There's so much in this for you to discover. Similar to what I was saying about Tomb Raider, there's just this. You'll see um, little parts of the the map that just stand out. As with the best Metroidvania games, you'll see things that don't look quite right, and you'll explore further and realize there's a whole other area, like huge areas that are locked off by a simple few pixels being knocked. Uh, with a weapon and if you if you don't take the time to explore the area properly you would miss an entire massive sections that are just so well detailed with loads of stuff in them to find um I've, I've probably put 25 hours 30 hours into it almost and i don't know if i'm near the end of it yet because it's um i'm playing on switch and it's got all of the dlc i think there's three or four different additional dlc segments that are added into it I don't know where the main game finishes and the DLC starts, but there's just so much there to find and do. Um, it's just really, really rewarding. So probably not as immediate as Dead Cells. I mean, that's probably more your style because you can just drop in and drop out of Dead Cells mm. and get something out of it. Hollow Knight is a bit more of a dedicated, um, involved sort of um, title that you need it's, to it's... set some time aside for. It's interesting what you mentioned, like the one of the big things you said about Hollow Knight there was that it's this cartoony style that still conveys oppression and uh, yeah. disquiet. And that sounds great on paper. And I find that as a fascinating concept. However, I know I would not enjoy it. Like mm. it's, it's just not for me. The the closest I come to enjoying um, a proper Dead Cells style, uh, sorry, Dead Cells, uh, Dead Souls type game, Dark Souls type game. There we go. I got the in there. Uh, is uh, Ashen, which just came out in Game Pass on Xbox, and it's kind of like yep. that. Um, but I'm enjoying that. It's a bit more accessible, um, perhaps. But it, and that's a really interesting experience. Not 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 worth mentioning for uh, Game of the Year, but worth mentioning for something else that I've got on my list. 
that kind of ties into game of the year, which is Game Pass. Game Pass. Yeah. I just want to like it, it's. It started off this year for me with the feeling of this is great, but it's probably not for me because I've already got a lot of games and I buy a lot of games. But as the year's gone on, the value of this thing has just skyrocketed. Like yes. it has become something which I would say everybody who has an Xbox should be mad not to have this. Like honestly, it is incredible. The the games that are now coming out day and date release in game pass aren't just xbox games and they're included in this like they've just done a bunch over christmas things like newton year zero i just mentioned ashen um they've just come out they put hellblades and there was sacrifice in there after a, a short time onto game pass that wasn't a day and date but it's still incredible and there's there's more and more support coming for it um from the third party developers as they realize that this could be a really important new way of players experiencing their games uh, I have no idea what the revenue situation is and how Microsoft pays these uh, these developers and these publishers. I hope it's good. I hope that they do well out of it. And um, Phil has gone on record as saying that people with Game Pass actually buy more games. They don't buy less games. They buy more games because games don't always stay in Game Pass. So there's an element of, and they warn you if they're leaving. So you then get a potentially, depending on how long it's been in Game Pass, you can get like a, uh, a discount on the purchase which i think is a very very smart business model um and it's it's become a, a must have i'm completely even, sold even on discounts it. on dlc for games that have just come into game pass uh, do you really you get discounts on the dlc as well yeah, i didn't realize the, the, that for the horizon 4 uh, mm. dlc is all discounted and that's not part of the the winter sale or anything that's no just... that's for game pass subscribers game pass subscribers well that's see that's very clever isn't it the, mm. but the idea of buying dlc for a game you don't own that's weird to me. However, is is that ever going to leave Game Pass, uh, though? Well, you, you, you don't know, do you? I mean, if it's a first-party game, I suspect not. Um, mm. It'd be much more risky if you're going for third-party games and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, I think just, just from that, uh, you know, even if you're not like a person that subscribes continuously, the ability to say, oh, there's a game coming into Game Pass in March. I'd like to try that. You just get a month subscription. Yeah, you know, it's basically you're paying for a rental, but you're paying for you're paying seven pounds, seven ninety nine, or ten dollars or whatever for a rental for a month for like a hundred and fifty games. I see. Or like and there'll be two hundred games by then, probably. You know, it, it's it's an incredibly good value, um, and you're going to try stuff that you would never normally play. Um, quite clever about the stuff that they put in there. I mean, there are big titles in there that you'll never get to the end of. I mean, like Master Chief Collection. You could mm. be playing for two years and still have stuff to, to do in that. But they're very clever about putting in shorter experiences. So it always feels like you've got your money's worth and you don't you don't worry about that um, leaving Game Pass in the next couple of months because you've sort of picked it up, you've done it. And it feels like really good value because you can get through in a month, maybe. I don't know. Even if you're just playing casually, you might get through a, a couple of games, two or three games. Mm hmm that justify the cost of the subscription alone. And if you're really into your games, you might get, like I do, just um, power through like five, six, seven games that you might have bought anyway. Um, something like Ashen is something that I probably yeah. would have bought. Yep, same for um, me. And Mutant Year Zero, 100% my kind of game. So it's like, oh yeah, tactical combat, crazy sci-fi post-apocalypse. Yeah, I would have bought that. But now yeah. I've got it on Game Pass, you know. And the other yeah. thing is that the subscriptions are often um, reduced. I mean, I think there's still a promotion right now if you you can get it for a pound. If you've never 
um tried it before you know for a month that's incredible like and yeah. there's so many games on there to, that are worth trying you know uh, and but even then it as a monthly cost it's not really a lot or, or you can get the six months or you can get get the uh i've got a year uh, the subscriptions price. um i've just seen another advert on the xbox dashboard today saying a third off for another six months so it's not like they limit it to people who've lapsed there's yeah. offers going on for oh constantly i don't think i've ever paid full price for it like yeah. ever um, even at full price it's a good deal it is uh, and it has become this really important part of the xbox ecosystem which going forward i think is going to become a real huge element if the rumors of the discless xbox are true you know mm. without a disc drive coming out next year that you know it's all about digital that that's gonna be all about game pass i imagine you're buying that you're probably getting a decent sub in there as well for game pass you know something like a six month or in there as part of the the cost of, of buying the console or something to like push adoption of digital you know as as that as the buying habits have moved this generation much much more towards digital yes microsoft made that initial stumble of trying to make it an always online digital focused console at launch you know they stepped back from that but what they've done in this generation is actually just made people want to do that yeah, so exactly. it's kind of like their mistake wasn't in doing it. Their mistake was in talking about it. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and they've they've succeeded. You know, I mean, it's crazy the amount of digital sales now. I mean, the one, one thing I wanted to mention about I, I just uh, talking about digital kind of connected, but I picked up Tomb Raider in that sale. But I picked up Tomb Raider like it was reduced after like two weeks of it being out. So yeah. I I was kind of amazed at that. But I'm gonna play Tomb Raider. I wanted to just touch on that. I'm looking forward to playing Tomb Raider. I just need to carve out the time. But yeah, I mean it's, that's the kind of game that you could see on Game Pass pretty quick. Another mm. game that I had on my list, but I took off because I wanted to mention it because it was a really cool experience that was on Game Pass uh, after a while was Onrush, which I really struggled to recommend at full price. But then you know there was a deep discount sale, and then like a month or two later, Game Pass. And it's like yeah. that's that's perfect for that type of game. That game now will have some legs. It might still have players, you know, because um, of that, PlayStation that Plus system. this month as well. And there you go. So PlayStation Plus. So what we're seeing is these these new ways of supporting games that don't necessarily resonate immediately at launch because the market is a busy one and a saturated one for a lot of these experiences. But yeah, um, I've got three games left on my list that are all quick ones I want to touch upon. Two of which are also on your list, Rich. Um, they're kind of the B tier. You know, two of these, but they're yeah. both really interesting experiences, which were Vampire or Vampire. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce that. And Call of Cthulhu, two very different horror games that came out this year. It was steeped in style, some really good ideas, perhaps a miss, miss, missed execution in gameplay. Um, but story wise, character wise, uh, you know, world, really interesting experiences. Is there um, anything you wanted to mention about them? Uh, for, yeah, Cthulhu, I was a little disappointed with it myself. I think it, um, what can I say about it? I think um, I was probably expecting more than I should have done because it was always going to be um, sort of beer tier production. Mm. But in terms of um, sound design, graphics, um, voice acting, it was a bit hokey, some of it. And um that was that was a shame because reading um I've, I've read a bit of the necronomicon and um you know the world that it, you can imagine it, it it wasn't quite borne out by this game um there wasn't quite enough visually on display for me to be horrified by 
and um, certainly what was there wasn't um, graphically that impressive for me to think, you know, for me to really get into the world. Um, it was just, I don't know, what did you think? I just, I, I sort of meandered my way through it and thought, yeah, that was that was pretty good. It was pretty good. But yeah, it didn't quite get me in my gut and make me think that, you know, re- really get to the, the, the core of what Lovecraft is. And that's about questioning yeah. reality. And um, yeah, it didn't quite really go I'm there still, for me. I'm st- yeah, I'm still waiting for that anything really that book well not book obviously but sorry film tv show game that really encapsulates the that those feelings that you get from the lovecraft's uh, source material you know the uneasiness the yeah you say questioning reality um the gamecube one existential it? horror yeah what was the gamecube one eternal did? darkness eternal i'm darkness sure that's what you're it. referencing yeah, yeah. As everybody does um but you know th- it's probably not as good as you think it was. I mean, it, probably it, not. It, not these it, days, but at the it time, played a couple of tricks. It played a couple mm. of tricks on you as the player, dealing with things like saves and and stuff mm. like that. You know, um, stuff that you couldn't get away with now because the con- the hardware is so much more locked down, and you know, there's certain like rules that all the developers have to abide by um, when releasing a game. Um, but no, I think I think Call of Cthulhu was a cool idea, quite well executed, but yeah, it didn't stick the landing, and it didn't quite bring it starts much better than it finishes that game like so yeah, much better yeah. uh it's got a really good opening and a really strong beginning but yeah it tapers off pretty hard um once you once you get to a certain point in the sort of midpoint um and what do you think about vampire i liked vampire a lot i think again it was really cool world really interesting um kind of the don't nod b team make those uh the guys who made remember me mm. um as a third person sort of action adventure game with some RPG elements and some interesting choice mechanics. Um, I thought it was, uh, it was cool. It was cool. Worth mentioning. Yeah. I put a lot of time into vampire, you know, that um, Xbox year, year in review thing. Vampire was my most played game. Apparently. Jesus. Wow. Which wow. I was surprised by. I put a lot of hours. That into was it. horribly broken that thing. So I don't know how much you can trust it, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, well, whether it is right or not, I do remember putting a lot of hours into vampire. And not quite finishing it because it, like Cthulhu, tapers off horribly at the end. Um, yeah. I've not gone back to finish it yet. Um, I think that there's that there's a big part of Vampire's attraction, which is in choosing to be the good guy, because um, there's there's quite a lot of moral choices in there about whether you um, want to sort of help your so help this help society and because you're a doctor who's turned into a vampire you've got this horrible dichotomy of whether you need to survive whether you're um, gonna kill these people for your own benefit the more people you kill the greater experience you get and the more powerful you are and um, that's only boosted by killing people who are more familiar to you so if you spent a great deal of the game getting to know people um doing subquests for them um listening to their dialogue and just getting to know who they are they'll be more valuable to you if you kill them at that point um so there's a great tension there in theory and it did keep that illusion going for quite a while for me Mm. um but there there was a point in it where um it sort of forced my hand and something happened that i didn't intend to happen and it sort of unraveled who i wanted my character to be and sort of undid the um 
the world building that it worked so hard to achieve. Um, so I, I bounced off it at the end, and I was disappointed to the to the point that um, I've now murdered half of everyone in London. <laughs> I thought, fine, but if she's going to die, everyone can die. So I've just killed everybody and then not gone back. Ah, the typical vampire story. Yeah. <laughs> Try to be good, realizes you can't, murder everyone. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, up until then. I mean, the difference with me was when I was playing it, I was just murdering everybody to start with. Well, so. yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, I didn't think you would be. Um, quickly, quickly touch on my like one sports game on my list here. That was kind of like would have been in the multiplayer category because uh, it's a really good version this year. I won't go into detail because Richard will fall asleep. Uh, yeah. But that's F1 2018. Fantastic example of this franchise this year probably the best no the best on this hardware on the current generation uh, a great representation of the sport um yeah deeper than it's ever been before on this hard on this uh, generation fantastic racing just really 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 good wheel to wheel racing in this particular game uh, highly 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 recommend this if you're interested in um formula 1 at all um and yeah you can probably get i think it's on sale on the winter sale right now on, on pretty much every platform so it's probably like 20 quid um so well worth picking up at that price uh anything you wanted to quickly touch upon as we coming to the end here richard i think monster hunter world yeah i played this i didn't really get on with it but okay well i did and i've tried to get into monster hunter two or three times before this and always always been able to not been able to penetrate into why people think monster hunter is good but i get it now Monster Hunter World has achieved it. Um, it's got me in by simplifying a lot of the busy work that the previous titles made you do. Um, so you don't need to carry around quite so many consumables. Um, a lot of it's in there as standard now. So being able to sharpen your weapon, um, it's just something that you do. You haven't got to go around looking for things to pick up to help you do it. Like the whetstones, I think, used to be a consumable item. Um, they've just made it much more accessible. And that's not to say it's simple. There's still loads in there. Um, and I probably put 30 hours in and hardly scratched the surface. Um, there is still a hell of a lot of grind in there to sort of um, repeatedly kill the same monsters and to get the drops that you need to build the armor that you want um, to take on ever more powerful monsters. But um, I finally understand what people get into monster hunter 4 and there is so much in there i think if you were into this i still would be so it's only because um other stuff has sort of come along and there's no one else that i know that plays it um i might go I, back stopped, i might go so back good. because guest character guest character speciality uh geralt is being put into it is he yeah they're putting putting jerry from the witcher into monster nice. hunter world so i might I might go back because of that, because I think that's weird and fun. Um, yeah. So I might. They've check done that out. some weird crossovers. I think they've put Ryu from Street Fighter. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's very strange. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you've got a couple more on your list. Did you want to? Did you want to shout out to them as well, or do you want to do some summations? Um, I'd put a couple on there before I'd actually played them. Um, thinking, well, I'll, I will play these by Christmas. So, uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate, um, Pokemon Let's Go on Switch. I've put a reasonable amount of time into Smash Brothers. That is still Smash Brothers. 
slightly disappointing that it doesn't have the main attraction for me because i always used to like the collectible little figures that you could get do you remember those no no um all the way through smash brothers there's always been a way to um um, sort of win collectible little almost like amiibos but in game you are so weird about your collecting stuff no no but um like (laughs) it's the fan service thing you know smash uh-huh. brothers is all about all the different nintendo characters coming together mm. and there was there was always a load of little collectible figurines that you could collect in game and see them all as part of a big collection and it was really cool to just see these 3d models and rotate. But you can just go and buy them for real now can't you I well mean... i end up doing that but yeah. yeah they've taken that out of smash brothers and turned Bastards. it more into um sort of collectible card thing so instead of the figures you get cards that lame um you you can use within the matches themselves to give you buffs and whatever so two out of ten yeah it's it's a good it's still a good game but yeah i was bummed out by that okay. pokemon let's go i've not played too much of it yet but i do have that pokeball controller and that you, is fantastic you've got a problem did you get so you got, got the nes controllers as well didn't you yeah i did are they yeah. as useless as they look um Yes. They're better than I expected. Oh, wow. Okay. They're better. Low bar. I, well, I, I did nearly cancel them and then sort of, well, I'll, I'll <laughs> I thought, I don't need money. Yeah. Money's for people who aren't going through Brexit. Why it's would only, I want to keep that? <laughs> it's only money. And then when Brexit does happen, I can sort of go back. You can to... barter them for food. Yes. Yeah. Sensible. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do now is gonna put you on the spot. I want your top three games of the year, please. So, or top three things, because I kind of didn't just stick to games today. Um, but yeah, I went top three. Do you want me to go first? What you think? Um, no, I think I'm pretty set on my top three. Actually. Okay. Should we do? Think... Should we? Are you gonna put them in order? Mm-hmm. Or are you just gonna give me three? I think Celeste number three. Yeah. To, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider number two. And yep. God of War number one. Well, I think our lists are different then. That's that's interesting. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um oh this is actually really hard. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh in third place Dead Cells, mm. in second place, Spider-Man, and yeah. in first place, Tetris Effect. So yeah. So no repetition between our lists at all. But both both very strong lists, I yeah. think. Very, very strong lists. I'm surprised you didn't pick a Dead Cells. I am quite surprised you didn't go for that. I really like um, Dead Cells, but I think in the sort of 2D environment, Celeste hooked me more. Okay. Which you haven't played yet, but no, nope. um, gonna play. Gonna I'm, play not this sure, week. I'm not sure if you're gonna like it as much as I do, but I love. Oh, it. I think I think I think I like I love a lot. I love a Super Meat Boy. Mm. Um, you know, fair but challenging. I, I mm. can get behind in control schemes. It's like that. That sounds like I could. In, I would enjoy that. Um, so that brings us to the end of the discussion of the games. Um, I just want to look back a little bit now at, at BXB in general in 2018. First of all, I wanted to thank uh, some people for their contributions. Uh, Joel, if you're out there, if you're listening, um, he was with us ooh, for quite a while. We had him as a member of the team until about halfway through 2018. Uh, family stuff did what family stuff does. He had another baby. You had to prioritize and we understand but we miss you joel thank you so much for your pc and ps4 predominantly contributions so it'd be a bit of everything like me you you have all the platforms and like richard um but yeah it, the door sir is always open for you to return 
and uh, sort of connected to that. After Joel left, we were very fortunate to get hold of Chris and uh, also known as the Humble Gamer, which he's, uh, has a YouTube channel and a Twitch channel. And he's currently, um, he was fantastic, brilliant PC coverage, brilliant videos. Absolutely loved what he did for us. Um, and great on the podcast too, much like Joel was. Uh, and we miss you dearly, Chris. But once again, he's reevaluating his uh, his interest in gaming. I can understand that he spent five years streaming and stuff, and it's just a shame we met him so late on, as it were, where he got a bit he got a bit too much like work. Um, and I can understand that we've all we've all dealt with that, I think, over the years. Uh, and he's just reevaluating. He's not done. He's not quit forever. He may well return. And if he ever comes back, if he ever comes back to gaming, Chris, we'd love to have you back, wouldn't we? uh richard so yeah yes we same, would. same to both of you guys richard uh richard don't go uh, first of all and then chris and joel <laughs> if you if you ever want to come back guys you are welcome to return uh and then in summation the year has been interesting our podcast still doing really well youtube has really taken off like viewerships are doing uh, viewing of the reviews doing really well uh and the and the video content uh, does very well on youtube um yeah, so I mean, in, in general, 2018 has been a good year for games and a pretty good year for BXB. What do you think, Rich? Anything you wanted to bring up looking back? Yeah, I think it's been um, much better for the video and um, sort of media content than the writing, which is unfortunate since most of my content is writing. <laughs> and always so fucking good. Like, it really bums me out that people are <laughs> reading it. Um, but that leads us That's into where... Though. Yeah, it is. But that leads us where into where we're going in 2019. Um, so looking at what what is what is happening at BXP, we are going to be rebranding. Um, we are going to have a new name and a new look, new logo. Uh, I won't be announcing that right now. Where we rich because we're working on that, we're beavering away. Um, but that will come coincide with you might start to see these changes actually in the content that we produce before then. The thing me and Ri me and Richard really enjoy is this: sitting down, having a chat talking about video games the two of us right um so with that in mind we're going to bring some of that podcast spirit to all of our content so we're going to be doing reviews in a different way they aren't going to be reviews in a traditional sense we're not going to be doing scores anymore um it, think of them more as impressions and they're going to be more conversational so we're going to try and do it so that for every game we cover on the site with these impressions, the two of us will have a conversation about the game. This could be anything from five minutes to 15 minutes, that kind of window of length. Uh, and we'll often be over video footage of the game, whoever is leading the impression. So Richard might sometimes lead the impression. He'll capture some footage. I will have a chat with him about it. And you know, we'll ask him some questions and just discuss the game in general and get our get our vibes about it that way. The, the, for intents and purposes, you're going to get the same inf information from this as you would from a review, but it's less formal. It's, it's more enjoyable for us to produce uh, and it'll be more enjoyable, I think, for you guys to watch and to listen to. And these reviews... I keep calling them reviews, not reviews. These impressions will go up as audio and they will also go up on the YouTube channel as well. Um, that's most of stuff there, isn't it, Rich? Have I forgotten anything? No, I think that's pretty much it. So, yeah, we'll be, well, pretty much to rehash what you said, focusing more on the content that people obviously want to see. So mm -hmm. more podcasts, more videos, and just presenting it in a way that people want to digest it nowadays. So. So old I think, people I think what can the... change, I think, can't they? Sorry? Old people old, can change. Old people can change their ways. I, we try. We do try and adapt. I mean, I'm still... I mean, the other thing I was thinking about is streaming. Uh, I just don't know, because it's like you have to just talk the whole time by yourself while playing a game. I, I just 
don't know if that works. If we could work out a way of doing it together, maybe, but maybe we need to look yeah. at the technology behind that and and what the ways we can make that work. Um, but the the main thing is it's just going to be a bit more chill. Other than me moving to Cambridge. Well, that, it's a nice place to live. I'm just yeah. saying, it's a nice place to live. Uh, we may have some returning old voices and faces coming back. That's possible. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, that's quite exciting. But, I, you know, I'm in discussions with people's agents right now um, about their return. Uh, but, yeah, it's exciting because we're, we're going to come back with a new name and a new look and a new attitude. This might well be the last ever episode of BXB's Bits and Bobs. Um, we'll have to talk about how we're going to go forward because because we'll, the way these impressions are going to go out, they're almost going to be like mini podcasts, but they're just going to be a podcast focused on one game. So when we want to talk about things like news and like topics and maybe stuff that isn't getting covered game-wise um, directly, we'll still have a podcast, but I think they'll be shorter uh, and I think it may be more frequent, but we'll just have to look at how that works and what name we're going to choose for that and how we're going to get it to you guys. It'll definitely be on YouTube like this is. It'll almost certainly be up in audio in one way or another as well. Um, so, yeah, just just uh, more stuff coming. By all means, give us some feedback. Do you, do you Are you going to horribly miss the scores? I don't think our silly star system needs to keep going. But if you, if you desperately still do want that, let me know. I'll take it into consideration. We'll see what we can do. Um, but I, I think it's, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, of this podcast, I think the way critics and reviewers look at stuff is becoming less relevant if you're sticking to sort of a rigid system. Um, we People like us, we need to reflect the way in which people want to consume and look at critical response. It doesn't necessarily need to be about oh, sound is a three, visuals are a four, gameplay is a five. You know, that's it's that's not relevant anymore. At least no. I don't think it is. I don't um, think it is either. I mean, it harks back to the early days of um, video game criticism and the, the time when it was viewed more of a journalistic practice, I guess, you know, because you had to buy a magazine mm. to, to read that stuff and it was seen as more of a, a profession. And we've had enough of experts. We're, yeah, we're, we're, you know, the, the only thing that makes us experts, <laughs> I say with with rabbit ears, inverted commas, is that we've been doing this a really long time. Yeah. I mean, we've played a lot of games. I mean, but then again, so have you. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's not that. Let's just have a conversation. Let's just yeah. uh, let's just talk about it. That's all it comes down to. Uh, and that's what we, me and Richard love, isn't it? We love playing and talking about video games so let's do more talking about it that, that's what it kind of that's kind of the mindset here isn't it so me and you the best bit of of the every two weeks is we do a podcast yeah? yeah yeah so let's do more of that that seems fun for you and fun for us so um but you know open to feedback open to ideas from anybody and everybody we're on twitter and facebook and all the usual places you know names names are going to change but we're not going anywhere um but yeah, that's that's exciting. I don't have a time frame for this. I mean, it's quiet as all hell right now uh, when it comes to actual game releases and stuff. But we'll we'll try the new format with the first game me and Richard thinks deserves being covered in in some way, won't we? Um, so looking forward to it. Uh, I will say there's something really cool coming with some preview content. It hopefully in the next sort of couple of weeks, but I don't really I nearly said then, but I'm not allowed to say, am I? No, I don't really want to yeah. spoil it because you never yeah. know. It might not happen, but yeah. I'm proper excited about this if it happens. 
and that'll be all over the channels in yeah. many ways probably <laughs> um so uh yeah that's that's pretty cool um fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed. i'm doing research for something right now put it that way so it's uh so it should be good um but yeah that's coming um did you i mean on the next podcast of whatever it is we'll look forward to 2019 properly and talk about the games maybe that are coming up that we're excited about um whatever that podcast is called <laughs> when it comes out it could still be bits and bobs but we could just be something else bits and bobs or just bits and bobs i don't know i don't know um but yeah lots of changes lots of stuff no time frame exactly but it's going to be probably in the next in the calendar month of january i suspect mm -hmm. things will start happening um but yeah cool stuff eh you excited rich it's i'm quite excited about this. yeah i'm excited about this new direction it's gonna be cool New year, new start. Looking Damn forward right. to it. Damn right. That's what it's all about, isn't it? So that brings us to the end of BXB's Bits and Bobs episode 60. Um, you had a nice time, Rich? Yeah, I think so. Nice I'm feeling time. slightly the worse for wear, having only had one whiskey last night and going to bed before midnight. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. I, <laughs> I feel like I should have wasted myself a bit more to pay to I, I, justify I, I, feeling I, like this. Yeah, I had a lot more than one. <laughs> I didn't get to bed till one in the morning or so, and I'm yeah, I'm feeling that's the dark glasses. Yeah, it's all too bright and loud. Um, everything, but yeah, that was uh, that was the the potentially the final ever BXB's bits and bobs episode. So uh, we'll be back in January, like a chameleon. No, like a what changes? Like a no, a caterpillar into a yeah. new butterfly a maggot mag nice i don't want to be a maggot shut up bye bye <laughs>